0: GP Insights, a health cert podcast. Practical advice for busy GPs on how to treat with confidence and grow their practice. So today we're talking to Matt Wollard. Um, Matt is currently the um, sort of leader of business development and acquisitions at, at the National Skin Cancer Centers. And prior to that was, was basically the operations uh, director for the whole company and has been instrumental in, in growing NSCC from... Um, well almost nothing to now 20 clinics and Matt's been in the industry for far too long he would probably say Um, but through all of that Matt you have become something of a a guru around um, safe and appropriate billing and you and I together um, have uh, have come across all sorts of uh, different billing practices over the years good bad and, and indifferent so the purpose of our of our of our chat today is just to highlight to to colleagues and listeners some of the key lessons around how to bill Medicare properly and safely and correctly um, and then just perhaps touch on a couple of the issues around private billing and and so on L- let, let me um, let me let me sort of kick this off by by suggesting that the, the the reality is the Medicare benefit schedule is very big, very complex, and often not completely crystal clear. But Medicare expects, I think, two things of doctors. One is that doctors need to take their own responsibility to understand the appropriate parts of the schedule. And number two, Medicare trusts doctors. As responsible professionals, to not abuse the Medicare benefits schedule, but to use it to use it properly, would you agree with that as a kind of opening construct? Yeah, hundred percent agree. I, uh, just, I think it's spot on. <laughs> yeah. So, how, what what share with us, Matt? Your, you know, stuff that you've seen that trips doctors up regularly with Medicare billing. They oh, well, probably the number one, I suppose
1: the number one thing that will bring any doctor unstuck when it comes to billing any item number with Medicare, and that is their clinical notes not supporting what they right. you know, Essentially, right. If, right. if you provide a service and you bill it to the patient and your clinical notes don't represent that, it didn't happen and then you should never have billed the patient. Right. So I think clinical notes is probably the, the number one element that I see um, you know, tripping up our doctors.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's a great one. And, and, and as I, as you know, I see, I do quite a, a fair bit of uh, medico legal work. And um, again, it's doctor's notes that is the biggest issue there. Um, and as you say, if it's not in the notes, it didn't happen. Uh, if it is in the notes, it did happen. And, yeah. and 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 so so far as to say, if the even if the patient says it didn't happen, if it's in the notes, it did happen. Yeah. So so that's there's 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 the first key point is 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 make sure your clinical records are accurate and and sufficient have sufficient detail in there for it to be clear what what, what actually happened. What what would number two be, Matt? What would be another common um, um. issue that trips people up?
1: I think where I see a lot of, um, I suppose, in skin cancer, the combination yeah. of, of billing consults alongside of procedures, um, right? We, and I've seen, I've seen lots of sort of ideas or initiatives that practices have put in place to sort of try and create, well, I suppose to try and reduce the the amount of upfront patient amount of amount of money and up a patient needs to pay upfront. For example, yeah. a, a patient's coming in and they're having a a procedure that's going to require them potentially to pay six to eight hundred dollars upfront. Yeah. I've seen often where practices will charge a consult alongside the um, the the consult that that procedure, and then move the out of pocket from the procedure to the consult, and then bulk bill the procedures, which is technically completely legal in the eyes of Medicare, yeah. as long as that consultation is a legitimate consultation, not just right. in there. So if there is a legitimate consultation, yes you can move the out of pocket from the procedure and just charge more for the consultation. But yeah. again going back to the clinical notes, I've frequently seen doctors do that and there's really yeah. no consultation in the clinical notes that supports that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that yeah. and then the other schemes where you know you're charging the patient a facility fee or a, a booking fee and yeah. then bottling the procedures as a way of trying to reduce how much the patient pays upfront uh, also can bring doctors unstuck very quickly yeah. because if it's not done properly and it technically it becomes a copayment
0: yes. and Medicare
1: are very blunt on this rule. Any fee that relates to the procedure needs to be paid upfront by the patient and you cannot bulk bill the item numbers if there's an upfront fee. So I often yeah. see sort of schemes put in place by practices to try and essentially co-payment when that's one of the the golden rules with Medicare.
0: Yeah, that, that that's very helpful. And, and again, I I think if you read the Medicare schedule carefully, and and it's easy to criticise the, the Medicare schedule, but if you if you look at it carefully, you know it's pretty it's pretty straightforward. And and one of the one of the the key things that that I think is is relevant here is that a consult and a procedure are generally not charged together, unless it's for a single attendance. So what does that mean? Well, in my own practice, if I'm doing a, a consultation and doing a skin check on a patient, and then I do, and I do a biopsy at the same, as part of that, that attendance, then of course I charge for the, the consultation and the biopsy. If I, if I bring the patient back to do the biopsy separately, i cannot charge a consultation as well i am not consulting i am doing i am doing a biopsy so you know that that's an area where people trip up a fair bit i think L- it also linked to that is that the the time because the con- as as we all know now the consults are essentially time based is the time you spend on the procedure is not included in the time of the of the consult. So, you know, you, you really, if, you, if your consultation is less than 20 minutes, uh, you should be charging a 23, even if the time you take to do a biopsy means that the whole attendance is, let's say, 25 minutes. It, it, it should be a 23 um, plus a 31007 3-1, um, rather than a 36 um yeah, right uh, plus yeah and that, that that's that's very important for, for people to just just be aware of and again um yeah sorry go on
1: i think it's also important to note that the time you spend with the patient requires the doctor to be in front of the patient yeah so you know if, if your nurse spends a bit of that time with the patient and you're not with the patient that time doesn't count So the the, the doctor and the patient need to be face-to-face for that time to account, you know. So if you release the patient from your consulting room and then spend another five minutes writing up the clinical notes, those five minutes don't count towards the consultation and don't convert a 23 into a 36. So you need to keep the patient in front of you for that process to to charge a 36. Um, So I often often see practices who just get in the habit of all, all our skin checks we charge as a 36, not all skin checks are the same. You know, some patients, you know, you'll come in and your, your patient will be gone in, in 15 minutes or, yeah. or less. And yeah. in that environment, you need to have a flexible system where you can charge either a 23 or a 36. And actually showing Medicare that you flip between the two is a, a very good position to be in because it clearly shows that you are monitoring the time that you spend yeah. with the patient.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, very, very important. The the other thing that I think is quite important is the whole issue of um, you know billing for cosmetic purposes. Uh, and again, you know, w- what's interesting in the in the schedule is that Medicare are quite happy to pay an initial consultation for for what might be considered a cosmetic consultation, but after that they won't pay. Well, you, so, you as a
1: as a doctor, you need to make an assessment as to whether a yeah. uh, uh, it is cosmetic or clinical. You know, a patient yeah. comes in with a bunch of, bunch of ugly ugly moles on their body that they want yeah. removed for cosmetic reasons. Well, yeah. before you can remove them cosmetically, you need to have a clinical assessment. So there's always a clinical start to the process.
0: Correct, correct. The, the, the issue about um, there's been, you know, in, in the last few years, there's, there's, there's been significant changes to, to many of the skin cancer excision items. And um many doctors continue to get confused and on you know you 'll see on blogs and forums talking about you know whether you can do this or that or the next thing um have you Have you seen much of that do you have any any commentary to make around you know b c c and s c c excisions and measuring and all of that kind of stuff
1: well obviously always the rule with with treating skin cancer you well know, there there's a number of factors with item numbers, surgical item numbers and skin cancer. And the, the factors include, you know, the size of the lesion, yep. the location of the lesion and the yep. type of skin cancer it is. Yeah, So you need to know those three key elements before you can identify which item number to use. And we always yep. have recommended measure the lesion on the patient first because we if, yep. if you do, depend on... The, the measurement that your pathologist will give you, it's always yep. going to be smaller, which means you're yep. always going to end up charging probably a smaller item number. Yep. Um, the major changes when they changed their item numbers in skin cancer surgical procedures about, what, three or four years now, were the, the way we treat um, the lesion size plus the defect. So originally, yes. we only ever looked at the actual lesion size and the defect wasn't really came into it. Today... It's yeah. lesion plus the defect. And if you need right. to then do a second procedure to take out a larger, um, a larger margin, all you're billing for is that larger piece of skin that you're taking out. So that was a, yeah. a fairly big change. And I, I think doctors got their head around that quite quickly. The yeah. other change that I did find a lot of doctors get confused with, and I think it's still not 100% clear, but the, the industry seems to have adopted a very strong position and that is the treating of melanoma. Yep. Now, the old rule was you couldn't charge a melanoma item number until you had that definitive surgical removal. Yep. Now, Medicare are allowing us to charge the melanoma item number on the initial surgical um, excision, which is essentially an excisional biopsy. Yep. And the intent of that excisional biopsy isn't curative, it's diagnostic. Yep. And there is a contradiction in the guidelines with medicare that says well if, if you're removing a lesion for diagnostic purposes you can't charge the melanoma item number but we've seen multiple times medicare confirmed in writing and i know yeah. cliff, cliff was one of the doctors who managed to obtain this and then had it confirmed again that medicare will allow a doctor to charge the the first excision as a melanoma and i suppose it's because it's gone from it was curative at the original intent, but now it is now part of that diagnostic process because you've removed the part of that lesion. And when you do a larger margin, you don't charge for the original piece you remove; you're just charging for the additional margin. So I, I kind of see how they they've got the logic to saying, yes, you can. Yeah. Um, but that is yeah. another area I do find a little confusing when it comes to um, yeah. billing the, item, the new surgical item numbers.
0: Yeah. Completely. So so my my commentary on top of that, Matt, would be for the BCC, SCC excisions that, that that the way colleagues need to think about this is exactly as you've said. And as the schedule talks about the necessary excision diameter, yeah. which is a, an average of north, south, east, west, north, south, plus east, west, divided by two. Pretty easy, pretty straightforward. Yeah. What I always do is put a skin ruler next to the lesion, the marked up lesion, and then take a photograph of that. That goes in the clinical record and then my measured margins go in there. Easy, yeah. dead straightforward to do. And uh, I agree again completely around the uh, issue of melanoma. Um, I, I mean, we've, we've all seen the, the advice from Medicare in writing provided to the Skin Cancer College. Very straightforward Um, So the way that colleagues should do this is for an excision biopsy, uh, send the lesion off, put the billing on hold on the day, wait for the results to come back. If the result is for melanoma, you bill a melanoma item and then you do the second wide local excision and you bill melanoma item again, according to the size of the excision. Um, To me, it's completely straightforward. The the written advice from the Department of Health is there. I don't think anybody needs to be bothered talking about that again, uh, frankly, at at this stage. And then I think, look, to to pull our conversation towards a close, Matt, I I think, you know, you you and I have both had interactions with doctors over the years who have got into trouble with um, Medicare and the Professional Services Review, the PSR. I mean, my, my, my advice on that would be if you look at those cases very carefully and if you listen to the PSR uh, leadership, and the advice they give doctors, um, they are using artificial intelligence, software monitoring to look at billing patterns. Uh, they are looking for the extremes. They're not looking for the odd little thing. Um, and, and the cases that get to them are, are, are colleagues whose billing is extraordinary yeah, uh, yeah. In, in, in whatever way that might be. Now, in some cases, many cases, it's completely legitimate. But, and it's extraordinary because they're working very hard or they're on their own or they're in a very high demand area or they work long hours. And as long as their clinical records demonstrate what they have done Warrants the billing, they they're fine, and you mm-hmm. and I have seen a number of cases like that. Yeah, yeah, and and then there are cases where, you know, frankly, either inadvertently or sadly on purpose, uh, doctors have been, let's say, creative, if not fraudulent, and said, "Here's an opportunity for me to, um, you know, rot the system," and then they get caught and they have to pay the money back. And again, it's, it's the, the department is running software that just looks at billing practices and billing patterns. It looks for the extremes and it looks for the unusual. Um, and then it, they ask questions. And again, if your clinical records demonstrate you've done the work and the work was appropriate, no, no problem. Would, would, well, we, you, would you agree yeah. with that?
1: Yeah, I would absolutely. We saw a couple of years ago Medicare do sort of like these mini audits and what they yep. did was they used that algorithm to identify doctors that were charging a higher percentage of the larger lesion item numbers. And yep. they simply send those doctors a, a, a list of three to 400 claims they'd made in a period of time. And they yep. simply ask them to go through each one of those claims, confirm that they billed the right item number, sign the document and send it back. Yeah. And in that case, I think in our group, we had about eight of our doctors fall into that category. And we would, you know, being in skin cancer, our doctors do bill a larger percentage of the larger item numbers than the, yep. your standard GP. Yep. And obviously, it was a, a burden on our, we, we, we provided our nursing staff to do those audits to the doctors so that they could go through the records. Um, and- I know of one doctor outside of our group who went through this audit process and came, back, came completely unstuck because had not recorded any measurements in their clinical notes. So when it yeah. came to determining whether the right lesion had been charged, they couldn't actually determine whether the yeah. right lesion had been charged. And in that case, yeah. the only solution was to go back to pathology, and in that case, the pathology lesions were all smaller than they originally thought, and a, quite a number of those item numbers had to be repaid. Right. Um, I did also have a couple of doctors who worked out they underbilled Medicare with a few of the Malcolm <laughs> numbers. I right. don't know whether we were successful in <laughs> the difference, but it was an interesting exercise. And I, I yeah. haven't seen that happen again, but I do yeah. believe it's Medicare's sort of simple approach to doing an audit on a, a doctor these days. So I expect yeah. now that we're sort of coming to the end of COVID, we might see another round of those audits coming out. They might be, again, focused on Lesion size, it could be anything within this space. So watch this. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd be yeah. I'm interested to see what comes next.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, that's incredibly helpful, Matt. Thanks for your time. We, um, we will make available. Uh, I mean, clearly the company does not have a billing policy. It's not our purpose to do that. Uh, it's a doctor's decision about what they bill for procedures. Um, I'm happy to make my own billing guide available, anonymized. Uh, for for colleagues to have a little look at and see see how I go about things we we'll we'll make that available, but I think the take home message here for everybody that's listening is um you've got to put a little bit of time and effort into understanding the schedule um, you know obviously you should not be uh, you know seeking to do anything illegal um, you should do your very best to to follow the schedule and the spirit of the schedule. And importantly, just you, we are we are paid to keep good medical records. Yeah, and uh, they don't. Ha- it doesn't have to be a long novel, but it has to be clear and contemporaneous, and 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 inc- it has to include measurements and details yeah. on anatomical sites, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much for your time, Matt. Much appreciated. Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, please subscribe so you can get updates whenever we post more. And please share it with others. And for more info, please go to healthcert.com.